Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to Golatza, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and well, man who can't make it this week, which is always a shame, but he'll be back uh, next week once again, but I've decided to replace him with two people, not just one. Uh, We'll start off with Javier, actually, because Javier, um, I've been on podcasts before, a very knowledgeable chap. Um, he's going to introduce himself in a second, but I think Javier is going to be on the podcast, um, hopefully um, regularly with Manu and I going forward. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, we've got um, Javier Zavala. Javier, how are you? Um, that was very good, Bryce. You were almost there <laughs> with my last name. <laughs> Always that uh, name. Man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of a challenge. I, I understand. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, I, thank you for the invite. I actually really miss discussing football with you, especially Mexican. So uh, this is going to be very interesting. And, and especially now that we have um, such a wide range of subjects to discuss, like either Osorio, Confederation Cups, the Gold Cup. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, very exciting stuff. I mean, yes, we still have a few weeks until the uh, Liga MX uh, campaign begins again, which uh, obviously we're very excited about. But uh, there's always plenty to talk about. So that brings me to the third person on the podcast. Uh, A guy I met on uh, Twitter who uh, covers uh, Liga MX um, every weekend. Uh, I always see... uh, plenty of gifts and other comments uh, we discuss them in depth rather late as we're both uh, English based uh, but it's uh, Oliver Duxbury Oliver um, thank you for coming on the pod and um, yeah tell us a little bit about yourself um, why are you into Mexican football especially when you're based uh, in, the, in the London area yeah thanks so much for having me, bro- having me on Bryce yeah no well it all just came about through work really yeah that I just happened to my, my work is I work as a um analyst for the Liga MX and um, I just got given after I got completed training at work I just this happened to be the league that they gave me and it was f- from there I was thinking okay how's it going to be with the late nights and stuff but after the first weekend it was like I just fell in love with the league and I just like haven't looked back from there it's just amazing yeah it really is I mean we discussed this um, before the pod got going I mean I, I just happened to be in a few circles somebody mentioned to me about how great uh, Liga MX uh, really is uh, so I decided to check it out and it's it just it clicks straight away. It's just instant entertainment, isn't it? I mean, can, can you remember um, Oliver? What uh, that first game was that you watched, or or was it just a, a night of lots of Liga MX oh, for you? Good question. I think um, 
I can't remember what exactly it was. It would have probably been 11. I can imagine. I think it might have been Cruz Azul at home to someone, but I can't remember who it was exactly. So always fun to start off with Cruz. But <laughs> I think I think just from there, just like that first game, it was like, just, it just like I said, it just clicked with you. You just think this is just such a good, like, intense league that just grabs you. Well, yeah, very much so. And- Oliver, I can totally relate. Oh, Sorry, Oliver. I can totally relate to your sentiment because like yeah. I started watching like Liga MX because it's like the most popular destination for Ecuadorian players, mm-hmm. and um and I I'm, I'm from Ecuador and I analyze Ecuadorian soccer like on a regular basis. So yeah. um so I can totally relate because again I I started to watch Liga MX because some Ecuadorian players were going there and you have to actually understand like for example starting from Alex Aguina. Yeah, back in the '90s, then Agustin Delgado in early 2000. Like you, ha- we had some great Ecuadorian players in Mexico, so you kind of got attracted to the league, and then you watch the league and you enjoy the league, and it has so much passion. You have that uh, that American kind of sense of intensity and how unpredictable it is. It's just great. I can totally yeah, relate. Yeah, there's just like so much. Like obviously, you got the football itself, but then like everything around it as well is just so. I don't know how to describe it, but like it's what you said, right? It's what you said. Like this is sort of like a a dig at the league of Mets, but it's like it is like WWE more the football league, and that's what you said because that's just such a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so true. I mean, there, there's fireworks, you know. There's there's all sorts, isn't there? You know, on and off the pitch. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you just never know. It's like, oh no, no, that team hasn't been relegated because they bought the licensing, so they're going to be. And you're like, what? And you, go, oh, those teams aren't going down because the bottom three accumulate their points over so many. And you go, what? I mean, there's just so many parts that make it so fun, but. It's um yeah it's it's always entertaining isn't it? And I'm sure we'll get some to uh, talking about Liga MX and maybe our, our fondest moments uh, and predictions uh, ahead of the season. But um, we're going to focus a little bit on uh, the international uh, football at the moment. As as much as it was a joy on the Gegenpressing uh, German uh, football podcast for me to talk about how successful they were in everything. Um, yes, we're going to have to talk about it again on the Mexican pod, but we're with a different uh, tone, I think. So in the Confederations Cup, we got to the uh, we got to the third, fourth playoff, uh, which a lot of people were saying was a, a bit um, worthless, will we say? Uh, but uh, Mexico took the lead, uh, but then managed to lose in extra time to uh, Portugal, a uh, Cristiano Ronaldo-less Portugal, two uh, one. Um, I mean, if we start off, uh, Oliver, and just uh, I, I want to ask very quickly. I mean, a lot of people say uh, the Confederations Cup. A lot of people question whether it's actually worthwhile, a worthwhile tournament, um, and you know, how seriously will you take it? But I mean, a third, fourth uh, game as well. I mean, that's that's possibly what people would say was a, a pointless game of a pointless competition, but. Um, what what's your view on third fourth playoffs? You know, especially in the Confederation Cup or any tournament, and how seriously did you think uh, Mexico took it going into it? I think like if you take the tournament as a whole, like people were saying, like say from the off, like it's worth this tournament. But like the way, like when they had that incident in the Mexico New Zealand game, you know, like the players just clearly care enough to like get that rod out. Okay, it's not really what you want to see in football, but it shows that they're like fully involved enough that they really want this. But with the third four play play, it is a tricky one because you had that like in the uh, the World Cup in Brazil where Brazil didn't really turn up for that as well. So I, I think it's always good. It's just good to like win matches against 
good international teams like Portugal. Okay, they did have Chris Ryan now, but that's still a strong Portugal team. And if Mexico had won there after drawing against them in like the first group game, it would have shown like maybe maybe like a side of progression, maybe. But okay, they did lose it, and you had the VAR penalty incident thing as well. But I still think it's they should it's a game that should be taken serious enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I have a feeling that the uh, American teams and uh, you know, the teams outside of Europe probably took it a little yeah. bit more serious than the, than the European sides. Um, Javi, what, what did you make of this game? I mean, obviously, if you look at Portugal beating Mexico 2-1 and Portugal being European champions, you would say that, you know, on, on paper, that's that's not that bad a result. But, I mean, Mexico were 1-0 up, weren't they? And then a late equaliser uh, brought it to um, at a time. I mean, how... You know, if, if we talk from the port or from the Mexican side of things, what what did you think of their performance on the night? Okay, first of all, I need to say that if you look at Marcelo Diaz's eyes when Germany was celebrated, you cannot really tell me that some teams do not take this seriously. Chile really, really wanted it, and Diaz was heartbroken. So. Uh, I can understand how, like, you build rosters that you might not look that you take it seriously, but there's reasons behind the rosters that you pick, and um, and the players that are there really, really want it. So uh, it's easy for outsiders to say, "Oh, it's not a real tournament. Oh, the team team A or team B does not take it seriously." But once you're there, you want it. Players want it. So I really disagree with those. People that say that it's not a serious tournament, but okay. Um, now, in all fairness, in that specific game, Portugal versus Mexico, uh, it, it was difficult to analyze the game as a as a more than an individual match, right? Because Portugal and Mexico used uh, like players and rotations that didn't allow us to continue a trend of analyzing Portugal and analyzing Mexico throughout the tournament, right? Like, I think I think that Fernando Santos made eight changes and Osorio made five from the previous game. So um, it's difficult to, to analyze it as a whole tournament. Whereas, in like, inside the game, Mexico's defense find another way to be a little disappointing, to be nice. Uh, but I really enjoyed, A, the penalty save from Ochoa. That was fantastic. And I really like Ochoa uh, throughout the tournament and to consider him like the definite starter for Mexico now. And then in Mexico's goal, how Chicharito was able to make something out of nothing. He was like all cornered and well defended and then found a way to actually make that cross. That was very nice. But again, uh, the game, it can be analyzed individually, whereas not as a, as a show of what any of these two teams made throughout the tournament, right? Because we're not the same players that played throughout the tournament. Yeah, that that's very true. There was certainly a, a, an awful lot of our rotation going on, and and, and especially into this game too. Um, Ochoa, I think, had had a fantastic game. You're right. Uh, he really uh, flourished, didn't he? Um, Oliver, if, if we look at the tournament uh, as a whole, then uh, for Mexican and, and for Osario. Would you say that's a successful tournament? I mean, would he have taken fourth place as, you know, a, a job well done? Uh, or do you think um, he really better have been gunning for, for the title as such and uh, th- this would be seen as a disappointment? I don't know if it could be seen as a disappointment because when you look at, if you were to uh, where Mexico, they finished like fourth in the tournament, you look at the three teams who technically finished above them, you've got Portugal, Chile and Germany, you would all say 
they're all better than Mexico. So it's probably where Mexico should have rightfully finished, and they did. They probably are the fourth best team in that tournament. It seemed to be there's like a lot of criticism for Rosario on Twitter, which there always will be. But in terms of like how he did and how he did, and just like like what Mexico achieved, fourth place is probably not too bad. But there is you can there is still criticism for the way he like the rotations against New Zealand was okay. It's New Zealand, but to rotate that heavily, it's still a bit. You shouldn't really be doing it in only like a five-game tournament if you want to like get some consistency within the squad. And you've got the Gold Cup as well, where you can like rotate in there happily. Um, I mean, I would, I wouldn't say it was a failure, but then I also would say a success. It's probably where Mexico should feel they are right now. They're not one of the big hitters. They're like sort of that, that little group below them. So I think fourth place is probably fair for them. And what pros and cons do you think? Uh... You know, maybe the Mexican uh, fans, the Mexican people, uh, and Osorio can maybe uh, take from this tournament. I mean, surely a con has got to be as uh, Javier said. Uh, the defense is is very weak, isn't it? Yeah, that was there was some shocking. I mean, the, especially against Portugal, I can't remember who the was it Salcedo like for the first yeah. goal were just some shocking yeah. play there, and not and Osorio did not picking the left back just made no sense whatsoever. And then I mean. It's not really a protest. I mean, yeah, there was injuries in the tournament as well. I think like, right, okay, Salcedo, but Reyes, you had uh, Corona who had pulled out a tournament from the start. So if they'd have like, if especially if Corona, if he'd have like been available for that tournament, that could it could have changed things really. So, but yeah, I think just defensively, it's just a mess at the moment. And no matter what he tries to do, if it's like three at the back, four at the back, it just, he can't seem to get anything working with it. But it would be good if he actually brought in players who play in their right positions. Yeah, most certainly well, it, it it hasn't helped at all. The, a lot of players out of position. Javier, um, obviously, um, you would have uh, looked at this closely uh, tactically. And what what what's your opinion? Well, I can like th- this is a problem with Osorio, right? Like, so you have you you will have rotations with Osorio. There's no way around it, right? Mm-hmm. And rotations are great in a, in a team building perspective. Why? Because you create harmony. You show your, the players that. They're valued each each one of them. I think that from the twenty three man roster, he played twenty two, which is it's it's great if you see it as in a, in a team spirit kind of way, right? And uh, and tactically, you for example, you build towards the game, right? For example, the New Zealand game, you have to protect yourself from uh, a New Zealand's uh, aerial game and from their direct style of play, right? But bottom line, if you're Mexico. How much do you have to prepare yourself to New Zealand? Exactly. You know what I mean? So uh, I understand that you want to prepare tactically, but when you're, let's say, let's say arguably superior than your opponent, maybe just play your best team and have them geared towards you, right? So I understand the reasoning behind the changes that Osorio wanted to do against New Zealand. All I'm saying is that it was a little too much when you're Mexico and you're facing New Zealand, basically. So, um, and yeah, and like Oli said, um, I'm sorry, Oliver said. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the injuries to Reyes and Salcedo throughout the tournament were a problem, especially for that game against Germany, right? So, uh, so injuries had kind of like forced rotation on Osorio, but I'm not really a big fan of big rotations because the biggest downside of rotation is that you're going to affect the in-game performance of the players, right? Because defenders need to play together often, 
They need to understand tendencies. They need to understand limitations of their game. They need to understand what you can trust your your next center back to do. You need to understand how regularly does your fullbacks run up, how fast do they track back, and so on. You need to create that cohesion in that defense. And and strong rotations and like constant rotations will keep you from doing that. So me personally, as a coach or as a soccer analyst, I'm not a big fan of those personally, but I understand why Osorio does it, right? because, and especially if you consider how the Copa America ended, this team needed some team spirit, team cohesion building, so maybe rotation can help, but that's not the reason why Osorio does it, right? So, again, tactically, I understand it, I just don't don't think that the, the outcome of it is what Osorio is looking for, and it's actually hurting his team more than he's actually helping them. Well, guys, I'm going to put the question to both of you. Would you say that then, I mean, I think we all agree that, you know, the likes of defenders, they need time together, don't they? They need to gel. Um, would it be such a crazy thought to, I know they've got, you know, like say, you know, Hector Moreno there, you know, which is a you know fantastic player. Didn't maybe have the best tournament, but uh, you know, it's hard to not include him. But, you know, if, if you look, it's maybe the... The League MX uh, League, uh, you know, and title. You've got teams like Tigres who may have only conceded 12 goals throughout. Would it be a crazy idea to just call up a few of their defenders that play together and just playing them, you know, in your starting 11? I mean, Oliver, would, would you think that that's a crazy idea? Would you, Or would you say that maybe he should try something like that? I don't think it's a bad idea. It's like if you've got like a back, if you've got like three of back four, so like with Tigres, you could have people like Ayala. Torres Nilo, even like Luis Rodriguez, like okay, you wouldn't, you've still got a better quality player of the European ones, but if you've got like two, at least two, like say a centre back and a right back, like right centre back and a right back who can like play together and know their game, it would seem like sort of like a no-brainer thing. Other nations have done that with, okay, like you think like Germany and have done that with like Bayern players and Spain have done that with Real Madrid and Barcelona, like mix them together. It's, it does sort of make sense in a way to have a sort of a core, a few core players in like core positions that play that know they know each other's game well and Javier would would you share that opinion as well well this is football right so you always have options and and have pros and cons in in each option so yeah I totally see what Oliver is saying and what you're suggesting it makes sense on paper as long as the level between your starting defense and your suggested backup defense, like the Tigers one, it's not that far away. Yeah. Um, in this scenario, I would still think that, for example, the Tigers one, um, I will still keep the Mexican starting defense of Morey and Oreyes so at that rotation and work with that instead of just calling um, the Tigers one and just having them play more time together. And... It's and I like the idea of having Mexico move into a three-man defense. Um, I think that they have the players for that, um, and I will still work with the Mexican defense personally. Okay, guys, if if we just look at you know um, obviously I said what are the pros and cons for the Confederations Cup. Uh, Javi, who would you say Mexico's best player out of this? It was. Do you think anyone shone when maybe wasn't expected to or or you know, I mean, a lot of people are going to expect your Chicharito to be there and scoring the goals and everything. But was there anyone that stood out for you? Okay, and this is going to be very controversial, so I expect 
I hopefully don't hear anyone scream or yell at me. <laughs> but um, I really like watching Jonathan Dos Santos play. I think that I he totally finally agree. found, totally found his, his, I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I expect a lot of disagreement with that. Um, but um, I, I think that he finally found his role and his spot in the Mexican team, and it's it's been long overdue, right? Like because he started such such as, as a, such a promising career, and he couldn't like he was living a in the shadow of Giovanni dos Santos, and then he couldn't find playing time, and he couldn't find a spot in Mexico, and he was constantly moved to the play right midfield, whereas now like he plays in in the right, and he's doing so great in Spanish Liga, right, in La Liga. And he play, he tends to move forward, and he, his distribution is fantastic, his vision is great, he's calm, he's 27, he's hitting his prime, he's feel, feeling confident because he has playing time, and he has the confidence of the coach, of the staff, of his teammates. I love Giovanni Do, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos' tournament. Um, like you can still talk about Ochoa, how he totally erase any doubts on who's a starting goalkeeper at this point, in my opinion. And I, Chicharito was great. Aquino had a uh, few mom, uh, flashes. Chucky Lozano had a few flash moments. They were good. But Jonathan Dos Santos is to, this definitely my my star for the for Mexico in this tournament. Yeah, I, I, I think we can agree that he had, he had a fantastic tournament, didn't he? Uh, Oliver, would you agree with that? Or, or who would you like to uh, possibly... Uh, draw our attentions to well I've got two names written down here for best player Ochoa and Jonathan Dos Santos so I mean it's already been taken for what I've said but yeah just backing up like for, I went to dinner with Jonathan Dos Santos but I think yeah Ochoa in that game against Portugal really showed that he is the Mexico number one for the next World Cup definitely and probably for a few years after that as well there's not many you think the players um, Ochoa's been using out in the uh, Confederations and the Gold Cup there's not many young keepers in anything like Munoz was like he's been chosen in the Gold Cup squad you know, apart from just looking here, the players you've got, like, they're, they're all 31, 36, 34, 30, 37, 30. So, as long as Ochoa was doing a good job and he proved that against Portugal, he's going to be the number one, yeah. And Jonathan Dos Santos was, yeah, I think, very surprised. Like, had a really good stand-up tournament for me, again, in a which is, which is quite a strong feel with Herrera, the other Dos Santos well. No, yeah, I totally agree with Ochoa and Dos Santos. Yeah, well, I'm going to... Back you up as well. I, I think it was, um, it, you know, we can all uh, look at uh, another two uh, points uh, that I could make from the Confederations Cup, and that is that uh, Chucky Lozano obviously gets a lot of press, uh, especially as he's just moved to a PSV. But yeah. um, he scored the, I think I mentioned it last week, he scored the uh, furthest out header in FIFA tournament history. So, oh wow! <laughs> might go home with fourth, but you know we've got that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> clutching at straws here, um, and um, yeah, I, I, and I think uh, Ochoa he, he had a fantastic uh, tournament, and you know Marco Fabian probably scored the goal of the tournament as well. I mean that that was sublime against Germany, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, Oliver, would you see? I know you said previously that Osario is getting a lot of uh, abuse on Twitter, which you kind of expected. Do you think he should be in place um, going into the World Cup next year? I don't know if he should be, but he will be, yeah. I, I don't know who... I don't. I, I know you might have other opinions who might like who could come in for him, maybe, but I can't see the Mexican FA just turning their back on him now. I think he will come. He'll definitely get a World Cup. And then I think, depending on how that goes for Mexico, we'll go from there, but... 
yeah, I think he will be for the World Cup. Well, that's a, I'm, I'm kind of in two minds. I'm a little bit disappointed by how um, the Confederations Cup went. I mean, Javier said, you know, there was there's almost um, too much rotation there, and that's become yeah. a bit of an issue under Osario. Um, but at the same time, I'm a strong believer in giving managers uh, or head coaches, you know, a, a certain period of time so that they can uh, work things out. Um, certainly, giving him to the World Cup, I think, um, in my opinion, is, mm-hmm. is 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 a nice idea. But after seeing that, I I think it's it's raised more questions than maybe answered questions. You yeah. know, um, Javier, would you um, have him in place for the World Cup? So there's two things. First of all, I I think that the word the that you're looking for. His, pro, his process, right? Like, yes. you, would you like Rosario to continue his process? Now, in theory, you need to back up your coach for him to establish the process, a system, an ideology, find the players that fit the system and have them play at their best, right? The problem is that at this point with Osorio, we still don't really know what that system and what idea is with the amount of rotation that he has, right? Because I, with Herrera, you exactly knew what to expect from Mexico, right? And either win or lose, you knew that we we're going to execute and play and look for that result, having a, an idea, a clear philosophy. Whereas with Osorio, I'm struggling to find that a little bit. So I would, I, I'll, I'll agree with both of you that he, A, he's going, going to be there for the World Cup and B, I will continue this process. But at this point, I want results and I want a clear idea of what we're doing, right? If we cannot establish that from just watching a, a regular game from Mexico, maybe this is not the process to continue. That's the first point. And my second point is that for me, uh, firing coaches or firing players or like selling players or whatever, it's also important to know who is replacing them. What's the other options, right? So, I would first need to know what other coaches are available and willing to take the gig or the position before saying, okay, Osorio needs to go. Because if I'm getting rid of Osorio to replace him with um, with Francisco Maturana or with Hernán El Bolillo Gómez, then no, I will keep Osorio, definitely. You know what I mean? So it's important to know that. Uh, but. Short, short answer, yes, he's going to be for the World Cup, and I support that idea so far. Good. So I think I think uh, maybe um, maybe with a little bit of uh, hesitancy, but I, I think the three of us are kind of uh, backing for him to uh, be there for the <laughs> World Cup. Just about. Okay, so we're going to go from uh, one cup to another. We're going to speak about the Gold Cup now. Um, if anyone doesn't know what the Gold Cup is, uh, we explained it a little bit uh, on last week's uh, podcast, uh, Manu especially. Um, kind of explaining that it's a bit like the European Championships kind of style, but in North America. Um, and Mexico uh, are obviously involved with this, uh, along with uh, the US. Um and Osario is obviously having to leave Russia and fly over uh, basically from one competition straight into the next. Um, Javier, uh, what's, um, what can you tell us about the uh, the youth and maybe inexperienced uh, side that have been called up for the uh, the Gold Cup? Uh, I mean, you know, what's, um, 
or would Mexico still be expected to to go on uh, and maybe win this and compete, or do you think they're putting out a youth side to give them experience and they don't really mind about getting the gold, but it's more as a, a you know more of a I don't know maybe a, a building you know, block for the future. Oh, uh, definitely. I think that they're gonna look to actually see some players, some young players perform and see which of these young players is ready to take the next step, right? I think that that's the target that Mexico is shooting for. And especially, I'm really looking forward to see how the midfield is built because I want to see Guti play and I want to see Duenas play. I want them to see, I wanted to see them play. I want to see how much time Alvarez, uh, Edson Alvarez is getting. Because I'm a really, I'm a really big fan of Edson Alvarez, and I think that he's the future. I really wanna, I'm looking forward to him. So hopefully he gets some play, real playing time against real opponents, and well, professional opponents. <laughs> and and yeah, so the, I think that the, the midfield of this team is gonna be the most attractive part in the on the Gold Cup. Now, in regards of expectations. It doesn't matter what kind of team you're bringing. Mexico is expected to perform and to win in the gold, the gold Cup. Period. I don't. I don't think that there's a roster that you can call that will have such a low expectations of not winning it, right? So um, now, on the, but unfortunately, like I said, this is the Gold Cup, right? So uh, Mexico will have to still face United States, and which they actually called a very interesting team. Right, the the call up is very interesting because it's more of a Bruce Arena kind of team because you have this greedy midfield. Um, they want to play Don Dwyer up front, so uh, I'm really looking forward to see that United States Mexico game that hopefully we get to see at some point of the tournament, in which the battle of the midfield is going to be great because on one hand you have, like I said, you have Gutierrez, you have du- Duenas, and on the other hand you have Dax McCarthy, you have Carolina Costa, so. It should be a very, very interesting game, especially it's going to be a big midfield battle. So, um, yeah, like it, I think that Mexico is planning to win. They'll still have to face United States to be able to win this. And Costa Rica also brought up a serious team. So that they will be my dark horse for this tournament. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. uh, if, if we go to you, uh, Oliver, do, you know, uh, are you looking forward to the uh, Gold Cup and who do you think people should have their eyes on uh, within the squads and, and obviously we're not going to ignore uh, Javier's uh, question as well but uh, do you see uh, Mexico winning and if not who's your dark horse? Uh, well to speak on the squad I'm looking forward to this because it's a good young squad I mean you've got a few older players in there but like two of them are keepers but I think the young players like you think got Pineda like I want I want him to if he can like you say if you've got a midfield of like Pineda Duenas and um, Gutierrez that's a strong Midfield, especially with Pineda Gutierrez, both 21 and 22, that could be like a basis for like sort of like a future midfield. Also, I want to see with uh, Polito pulling out with injury. I want to see how uh, Eric Torres gets on. He's having a good season at uh, Houston Dynamo. I think if he's if he's going to be get the chance to like start up front because there isn't really anyone else in that squad apart from him. The other one you've got is Barragan, who's like had a pretty poor season last year. So you think Torres is going to be the main guy? Um, I mean, think. Mexico, I mean, it's, it's between Mexico and the States. I, I still think Mexico can win this. I think it's a good... It's, if they get the start 11 right, it's a good starting 11. The backup may not really be there in terms of, like, I think, got some like the call-ups. I think, like, like Barragans wants Supple Vader as well. And then the, 
Guadalajara right back is it Alejandro Mayorga, who I hadn't heard of before at all. Although it's a very surprising call, but I still think Mexico can win this tournament with the quality they've got in that squad. Yeah, I totally agree. I I don't see why they shouldn't. And as Javier said, they would almost be expected to yeah. win it. And I, I I couldn't agree more that you know you guys picking out you know obviously some of the players that you have, but. Yeah, I mean, Eric Gutierrez, I mean, he, he's a fantastic player, isn't he, for uh, Pachuca? And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting to, to see him. We always enjoy seeing him, uh, you know, in Liga MX each weekend. Yeah. You know, it'll be exciting to see him then uh, step up uh, to this level as well. Uh, I, I, am I right in saying that some of the uh, the Confederations Cup uh, squad are actually going to join the Gold Cup squad? I mean... Um, if not now, then after the group phases, you you can add or swap six players, can't you? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I think that's right, isn't it, Javier? I think this might be the first year they've done it. Well, I um, <laughs> um I don't know what to say. I didn't know that. That's completely new to me. Wait, you see, yeah, there'll, there'll be people later on, up, on, yeah. on Twitter going, "Nah, that's rubbish. That's that's a lie." He's he's come up with somewhere. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just looking, <laughs> just, just looking up now. So, yeah, if they reach the quarterfinal stage, they're able to, able to swap six players in the final squad from the provisional within 24 hours of their final group stage game. That is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different approach, um, isn't it? Um, I, I suppose it means that your likes of players. Well, I I've, I've heard anyway that Jurgen Dam would possibly get. Uh, yeah. brought into the team um the speedster that he is um but um yeah i mean i suppose it gives the opportunity for them to bring maybe some of the bigger names that were away into the side but um which you know i i, I hope if they're getting that far and, and they feel that confident with this young side that that they would keep it that way you know and uh, maybe not rock the boat and, and try and go all the way with them because i only do those uh, young players a, a bit of a favour I think in experience you know so. yeah and you would have want if, if the youngsters are building up a good they've had like a good group stage and suddenly it's like oh sorry we're taking out all your youngsters for now these established players it's like well then what's, what's the point in picking us if you already exactly. knew that it doesn't matter what you do you're going to bring in like damn okay damn may not be a record but like other big names yeah and imagine the 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 real hit that you're giving these young players confidence by doing that no if they get there they should keep going and see it, see it through to see how yeah. far they can go. Definitely, I, I couldn't agree more. I th- I think they'd be very hard done by if they changed it at that stage. I mean, yes, if there's uh, some serious injuries uh, and knocks, then you can see that you know that uh, that new ruling, you know, you're coming into play and you know uh, maybe helping other side, but. Otherwise, you know, it's especially Mexico. I mean, Mexico, compared to some of the other nations in there, you know, they're going to have a lot more players to pick from, you know, than the you know the likes of, well, we'll not say Costa Rica as such, but, you know, there, there's many of other nations in there that would love to have the uh, the options that, that they do, you know. I mean, surely El Salvador or someone, you know, isn't going to have as many options, you know. So, um, I I mean I suppose maybe adding an extra six players at that stage for for a nation like that you know isn't going to be as maybe useful as the likes of Mexico that could call in the big boys if they were struggling which um it's it's it leaves it a little bit unfair I mean Javier how do you see that ruling? Well, since it's an it's an option for you to do it right like you don't have any obligations to do it so like it's good to have because some teams actually might find it uh, important or useful to do it throughout the tournament. Um, it's, I'm, I'm not surprised that in North America, there's like in CONCACAF, there's some rules that doesn't have, like do not happen anywhere else. 
I'm not surprised about that. But um, but yeah, like uh, except for Mexico, like even it would be the other way around, maybe just to have an experienced team play the group stage and then bring in the kids to play the knockout round. That would be interesting in the future, right? Not knowing that you can do that. So I don't know. Yeah. That, that would be an interesting uh, twist on it, actually. But, uh, yeah, the Gold Cup uh, starts uh, this weekend uh, for anyone that would you know, needs that football fix. Now that the Confederations Cup and the Under-21s uh, tournament is over, you'll be able to uh, find more football. We've got football all year round. It's great, isn't it? You know. So um, yeah, it starts on on Saturday. Um, so yeah, you maybe tune into that. I don't know where I'll be showing it, but I'm sure you'll find it online. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about um, a rather big name that we've, Manu and I have mentioned uh, a few times in the podcast recently, and it's hard to get away from him really. And that's uh, Javi Hernandez or uh, Chicharito. Um, obviously, the the strikers had time at Manchester United and then went to uh, Leverkusen. Uh, started out well, but this last season it hasn't been uh, as good as he would have hoped um, th- there's lots of talk of him uh, moving on I mean he- he's got a lot to his game uh, Javier Hernandez and um, where do we possibly think that he may end up uh, Oliver and um, you know, where-, where would you say is a good move for him I mean he's got on the card supposedly um, LA Galaxy um, LAFC uh, who aren't actually a club just yet, and yeah, West Ham. I think because uh, I would think how old is Javier Hernandez? He's what? He's third. He's twenty nine. So he's like he's yeah. So he's still got like I don't know if it's the right move to make the move to the MLS yet. I think West. I think do think seems to be West Ham are the front runners at the moment. They did, they did seem to be a period where West Ham had sort of like called on him. I think they were after a Giroud from Arsenal, but I think Everton and after him. So West Ham were like back in for Hernandez. And I, could, I feel like Hernandez would like to come back to the Prem. I still think he's, he would want to prove himself after, for him, a very, very poor season. I think he would, I still think he can do it in a top tier. He's shown that, okay, this season, but like prior to that, he's shown it like pretty much everywhere he goes, he can score goals. And in a West Ham team that lacks goals, I think it'd be interesting to see. Would he play like a one up front? Would he play a Carroll or someone like that? No, I think I, I can I can see him going to West Ham, yeah, because I just feel like he he himself would feel that I'm not ready for what is quite a substantial step down to the MLS. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, both sides uh, would probably play rather handsomely, uh, maybe yeah. more so in uh, in MLS. But mm-hmm. I mean, as far as uh, European football goes, you know, the the Premier League has. Your bucket loads of cash, really. Exactly, yeah. It's like West Ham could probably just throw whatever money they want to at him now, which seemed bizarre. But if they wanted, they really wanted to get him, they probably could. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like uh, Leverkusen uh, would probably let him go, which um, I just a few months ago would have said no chance they need him. But um, mm-hmm. well, they probably do still need him, if I'm honest. But um, we'll, not, <laughs> we'll not talk uh, German football. But yeah, I, I think Chicharito's still got enough in him to play at the uh, very highest level and stay in Europe. Uh, no no disregard to MLS. but I, I th- Oh, no, not at all. I, I think he, he could move there in time. Um, I think he would be a massive hit there. Marketing-wise for any club, he, he's going to be huge. Uh, I yeah. mean, Mexicans uh, love to uh, follow their players uh, wherever they go around the world. So, um, yeah, I, I would imagine out of those three, I would say probably West Ham. But um, I, I I, think yeah, any of the big, uh, the yeah. big uh, you know, leagues in Europe, he, he could still 
definitely do a job. But what about you, Javier? Would you would you agree? I mean, are you a, a fan in any way of uh, Chicharito and his uh, well his back catalogue of goals? Uh, I'm definitely a fan for one specific reason. Well, maybe two. <laughs> a, he's uh, an old school poacher. Like his his best asset is just positioning himself to actually be able to score goals. Right? Like he, you, you could like define his skill set in a very specific and particular way, right? So he reminds me of poachers back in the nineties. So I kind of like that. That's one thing. And the second thing is that his specialty, his real specialty is counterattacking goals, right? He's a fantastic counterattacking striker. And me personally, I like teams that um, or having games set up in a way in which, okay, today we're going to like sit deep, be organized, communicate each other, and find that opportunity to counterattack, right? Please don't hate me. I know that that's not the popular decision. That's not the popular way to go. I just enjoy that every now and then. I think it's important to be tactically flexible and be able to do that. Now, in regard to Chicharito, I definitely think that he has the talent to still play in Europe. And uh, what I think is that it needs to be a team that is fit for him. It's a, it's a good match. I don't think that he can play in any team or in any system or perform any role as a striker, right? So I don't know if West Ham might be the best decision, like, option for him. I think that he needs to may, be able to assess more options before he makes a decision. And uh, because uh, even on a down season for Leverkusen, uh, Leverkusen didn't have a very strong season, to say the least. Um I think that he was able to still show what he can do. Like, I think that he scored six counter-attacking goals, just showing up, again, what he can do. And um, so he could be a very good backup striker for a very good team, or he could be still the main man for a team that is mid to low table, but fit for him. That is a team that plays a system and an idea that he can follow through, right? So um, definitely not yet MLS with no offense to MLS, but I think that his best value in the MLS will be the marketing impact and the brand value that will give their, their team, right? And that won't change in two years or in three years that he can still make that jump to the MLS, right? So that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Javi, just uh, quickly, would, would there be a league in, in Europe or a league that you know of that would kind of suit uh, Chicharito best, or do you say it's more down to the uh, the team that he would go into? I would say it would be more of a of the team because you in in every every league has its different aspects and its key differences from each other, right? Um, but every team has lower tier teams that are geared to play a specific system, right? Because you'll always see in every league weaker teams to just sit deep and look for counter-attacking opportunities, right? Just to explain in a short version, right? So, and he has the speed to play in the Premier League. He has the positional awareness to play in the Italian League. He has the goal, uh, the goal-scoring prowess to play in the Spanish League. He has experience to play in the German League. So I don't think that it's a matter of league. I think it's a matter of teams and, have, and having a smart team that can get the best out of him because of the way they play. 
Nice, yeah. Well, I think that was very well put, and I think uh, at that we can more or less move on from uh, Chicharito. I think we've covered him in, in quite a bit of depth. Uh, three <laughs> fans here, will we say? Uh, but uh, yeah, um, that that kind of brings me on a little bit to uh, Liga MX. Uh, obviously, we're missing it. Uh, we've had our little fix with uh, the international. Uh, tournament that is the confederations cup i know we've got the gold cup to distract us a little bit more uh but it's only it's well it's less than three weeks away um and i mean the three of us um have obviously mentioned just how much we've uh, fallen in love with the uh, liga mx uh, whether it was uh more recent uh than, than the next person but um yeah with two and a half weeks to go um oliver let's uh, reminisce a little bit uh before before we uh, make uh, one or two predictions or talk about um, the, the upcoming uh, campaign, but um, what, what was your favourite moment from, from last season? Uh, I, I have a feeling that um, some of us may agree on the same moment, but um, you know, what, what, what stood out for you last year? What, what did you really enjoy? Sell it to um, whoever's listening that's never watched League MX before. I've definitely got a few. I mean, there's obviously Carlos Fierro's goal, last week goal against Poebla, that was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen just sneaking up from behind Campestrini and just poking it past him and the fans going what that was something to to behold and then also I think what probably my second favourite game was when Chivas beat Chivas 4-3 which I think was yeah that was this season yeah and there was like three goals in four minutes I remember going mad on that but it's got I think I think we talked about it we've got to agree up there Monarcos staying up in that final game of the season but that Rui Diaz goal was just one of the most like incredible, just you, you can't find this anywhere else. Like happening moment, just the way they seemed just doomed. Like and just the even, even now, I'm like just thinking about it. I can't get my words out. Just how much like I enjoyed just that moment. Like I'm like I'm not a Monarchos fan at all, and just the way it it you just couldn't I couldn't help but smile just knowing that something like this has happened. Like you won't see it anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Manu and I spoke about it on on our first podcast, and it was just yeah, um, yeah Morelia. More we we explained that you know to go down, you know, it's the it's the average points that you've yeah. uh, you've gathered up over three seasons, and um, yeah, they, they were um, about to go down. Um, they were one 0 up. Then it came uh, one all. I think maybe eight minutes to go or something. Because they would have went down with a draw. Uh, so they needed to win, uh, but by winning, uh, the, which they they did, they scored one of the last kicks of the game, which is phenomenal. It actually put them into the playoffs then for of the title. It, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was it saved them, um, put another team down, but also gave them a chance of uh, going on to win the title. I mean, it's it's just I know we we said all the time, but League MX is just crazy in this way that it's it's so entertaining, it's it's refreshing and. I, I think it's hard to look past that moment last season and for me it, it, it was phenomenal I, I can only imagine that we're going to have more this season and well I really hope we do and yeah mm. lots of other action Javi did, did you have a, a favourite moment from, from last season? I, I, I do have a favourite moment but uh, it's not going to be a very popular one and you probably won't like it but this is uh, I have I have a degree in sports management, so I it's totally related to the to the moment, um, not to the moment, but my favorite moment of last season. So you don't understand why. Um, please don't don't sigh and don't like be disappointed of what I want to say. But my favorite <laughs> moment of last season 
was the ref strike, and you'll see why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you really went left wing with this one, or, or, or left uh, totally. left field. Sorry, not not left wing. You really have. Uh, I did not see that coming. I was thinking, what? What can he possibly be talking about? Uh, yeah, go on. Okay, so uh, so as you know, the ref try happened because um, Enrique Triveri and Pablo Villar were not properly uh, fined by the. the, the Femex Foot, like the Mexican Football Federation, and the referees went on a strike because they were they disagreed with what happened and they wanted a full year suspension for them, right? And at the end, the ref refs got what they wanted and the strike was over. So why I like this is because I don't like that the players have uh, have so much power. In the, in the federation, right? In, in having properly, being properly in the league, being properly run, right? Because now you have owners of the teams that are looking for their investments or for their special assets. And special players should not have, or like high paid players should not have been, should not be benefited by the referees or by the federation or be taken care of by the federations because they're assets to the league. Football needs to be fair. Is to be equal. There should be equality. It should be fairness. And there should not be any corruption or any bad conversations or any bad deals going behind the federation, going behind behind the teams, going behind the league, because that ruins the league. That ruins the fair play of the game. That ruins the beauty of the game. And if there's no equality, it's a problem. And having the ref, the refs show and get what they wanted, even though it would affect some owners of the teams. I'm happy with that, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that the refs got what they wanted. That's why. And I know that it's not a popular decision. It's just something that doesn't happen very very regularly in the world, and I just enjoy it. Oh, Javier, you're good. You're very good. <laughs> I I was like, what? Can you be serious? You're really picking that? But you sold that very well. I, I completely agree. Uh, I'm sure uh, Oliver maybe ag- agrees as well that you know a- at the time we were a little bit like what we're not getting our, our fix of Liga MX. You know, <laughs> how can this be happening? Why can they take it away from us? But it was for the greater cause, wasn't it? And yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, the the referees get a horrible time in, in the league, and yeah, I I was surprised at the outcome of that that they did actually um, decide to ban the players. But I, I'm not too sure. It has has that stood? Is that are these players still banned for for a year? Does anyone? Know? I think I think in the end they were just banned till the end of the season. Oh. And I think there was uh, who it was Sam Boyser was was able to play in the uh, league year as well. So Can't I think that's the way they did. It. That's why they sort of changed it in the end. Uh, okay, we can ban until the end of the regular season, and now it's fine. Yeah. But I, I do think it was something that needed to happen, and I, I it did. Yeah. I completely agree with you, Javi. I think that was a that was a very yes, as I said, a, a left field um, suggestion. But I, I think it was a very good one, I must say. Uh, though I know one person that will not be happy about that, and that was a man who had his first trip to Mexico, and he was trying to decide which game to go to. What a week to go! <laughs> so, uh, Manu, if he was here, uh, I don't think he would agree with that. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll uh, no doubt let him hear this uh, for himself. Uh, uh, and uh, get and then probably send you a message, Javier. But um, yeah, oh, he's gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, Oliver, obviously we're we're getting close to, uh, to the uh, Liga MX uh, season starting once again, which we're all excited about. Yeah, uh, it's going to uh, kick off again on the well Saturday the twenty second. 
that is me talking from a UK perspective, so that might be different wherever you are in the world. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, what's uh, what are you looking forward to apart from just crazy football? I mean, is there um, a side that you think are going to be a bit of a, a force to reckon with uh, this season? I mean, you've got the regulars, like obviously you've got Tigre and Guadalajara. I think Monterey and Club America are both going to be strong this season. They've both bought well. I'm really interested to see what Lobos are going to do, actually. They've also bought really well. I think from Tigre, they've got Advancula and both Quinn, Quinn and at the, the plural of them, like Lewis and Julian. And they seem to have, like, they've done some really, they've done a lot of business, but some really good business in there. So they could be trying to follow, like, the Nick sort of route and just basically buy really good players just to get you to stay up. But I think. One side that I'm interested in is, is a Le- uh, Leon. I think, again, a side who have bought well, especially going forward, they've got two players from the Chilean league, uh, Serrata and Ramos, who both seem to have like re- have been impressive at both their sides. I think Deportes, Equique is Ramos, and Serrata was at Everton, Davina Del Mar. And I just, I'm just a big fan of Leon. Like, I'm a big fan of Torrente as well when he came in. I think just the players they've got, thank you more for it, like Alex Mejia. I think when he came in, it was just like an absolute revelation. They've got Elias Hernandez, who is just turning into like just a star now for Leon. Had a good, he played well in the uh, in the friendlies Mexico had recently in defence. Okay, they've got Budiso out for the season, but they've bought well there, and I think they could be okay. They did they did well in the uh, Apertura, but had a really poor Closera. But I think they could be one of the sides up there definitely this season. Yeah, I thought Leon were great to uh, to watch uh, last. They're great, to, yes, yeah, yeah, they really- Sorry. Yeah, really entertaining stuff, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what were you going to say? Sorry, I was going to say like, like you're saying like entertaining to watch the uh, the playoff game against uh, Tijuana in the Apertura when they think they beat them like three or four three nil at home or something like that. It was just like the way they just pressed so much. It was just like incredible, just incredible to watch. They just dominated them in the first half. It was one of the most just like complete. Clearly, this is what they wanted. Torrente wanted his team to do, and they just performed it to a T. And it just like just amazing to watch how each player working perfectly with one another is incredible. Because and then Torrento was getting a lot like when Leon was going on that bad run at the start of the season he was wanting he was like they're, they're saying oh he should go and stuff like that it's like there's just no loyalty after having such a good aperture like two months okay they're, they're bottom and doing so poorly it's like just give him some time like he's had like seven games but I know obviously in Mexico you don't have that much time in each half season so but no, I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Yeah, very much so. I, I I think they were a joy to watch last year, and I I, I can only imagine that they're going to be uh, equally as exciting this year, or at least we we hope so. But I think you know, again, as you said, um, Lubos, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with coming up. Uh, Liga MX mm-hmm. doesn't have the best of reputations for uh, teams coming up and staying up and doing well. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to just see how they go. I hope they can take some of their momentum, and uh, you know, in, into the uh, the top flight and you, give it a good crack anyway. You know, but uh, yeah. even though the odds are going to be up against them, they need to get a few early wins. I think get get the uh, the confidence up and kind of go exactly, from there. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously not the the most well known team uh, outside of Mexico, maybe not even in Mexico. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it'll be an interesting time for them. Uh, Javier, who who would you like to uh, to pick out uh, as possibly being uh, one of the main teams uh, this year, or maybe go all the way? I mean, we did say, didn't we, before we came on the podcast that it's Liga MX is near impossible to uh, 
to call. Anyway, you never know. Cruz Azul might might win it this year. <laughs> probably, <laughs> totally probably right. not. <laughs> but uh, but um, uh, no offense, Cruz Azul fans, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, Javi, who who would you pick out? So, um, like you said, like Lee MX is super unpredictable. So anything I can say can be and will be used against me in the near future. So <laughs> <laughs> that's. But um, I'm really good, looking forward to see Tigres play this year, though, because they signed Vargas, and Vargas is one of those players that continually break my heart because you see him play for the Chilean national team, and he's fantastic, right? He makes runs. He's super acrobatic. He reads the game very well. He's a very good header for being a small for a small player. Uh, I mean, short player. So he's very good. We're, but unfortunately, on a team and a team perspective, he has never performed to that uh, to that level, right? So like he continually he played for Gremio, and I really hope that was it. Then it wasn't. He played for Napoli. I really hope that was it, but he, it wasn't. And so on, right? He went to Germany, and I thought this was it, but it wasn't. So I really hope that this is it. <laughs> and it's a very strong team, and they could really use him. So I'm looking forward to see Tigres play. That's still going to be the, the team that I'm going to watch faithfully throughout the first matches, at least. Yeah, well, Tigres have a very strong side. And yeah, I've always been gunning for uh, uh, Vargas as well. It doesn't seem like he's really been able to do it since he... Uh, left uh, Universidad de Chile all those years ago and uh, yeah I, I mean it, it'd be uh, you know if he could start scoring as well uh, with Geniac uh, up top I, I think they could be yeah, a hard team to stop I think also um, I'm going to give a shout out for Pumas as well I think with uh, Palencia I think he was he's a manager with uh, great potential but you know the second half of the season last year just uh, they, they were a mess they were all over the place uh, but um uh, Oliver, just before we go, we're we're gonna just go to you for one last topic before we yep. wrap things up. I think we've covered a lot today, but mm-hmm. is there any players that you uh, feel we should uh, look out for uh, next year? Um, is it any uh, ones that maybe have been in the league, but you just feel that this could be a big year for them? I mean, maybe like Vargas, as we just mentioned, or or is there any uh, new signings that you're particularly excited about? Who is there? I mean, going back to Tigre slightly, it's saying about like they're good going forward. I think you see. And Valencia looks like he's going to come back to Liga MX. He's been strongly linked with Tigre. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, that just to add to an already stacked attack as it is, you got him coming back for his second spell, which could be, I mean, if he can somehow work in a team where you've got Juniak, Vargas, Aquino, Valencia with Dam and Sosa on the bench, again, it's just mental. <laughs> but, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it just like, like, in any league, that's just a good attack. No, I'm looking forward to, he had a good, he had a good first season when he joined Atlas, uh, Clifford Abo. Abo Age, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, no, he, did, he really impressed me when he came in from. Uh, I can't think where he came from. He came from, from came from a Spanish side where he just barely wasn't played there at all. And I feel like in a good, very good first like half a season, I feel like a full season he could be a key player for Atlas in that midfield. Yeah, well, well, thanks for that. I think, I think we've definitely give uh, any listeners uh, plenty to uh, listen out to, whether it's managers, uh, clubs, uh, or players. Uh, but I, I think we'll wrap it up there. I think uh, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground tonight, actually, especially when when actually we haven't got any uh, League MX uh, games to talk about just yet. But um, 
I gotta thank the fellas for coming on, um, but I'll like you guys both to do a bit of a shout out. So you might have something that you want to plug, or or maybe not, or or where can people find you on social media? And we'll we'll go to Javier first. Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at at zavxav. Um, you'll find a lot of uh, football information, especially about South America, which is one I, I focus for. So uh, you can find me there. And any complaints about me choosing the ref strike, you can <laughs> direct them towards me. I'll take it. <laughs> Manu knows where to find you. He's got your number. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, uh, Oliver, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to firstly uh, speak to you uh, person to person, rather like <laughs> gifts and on, on Twitter. But um, yeah, what what would you like to uh, plug, uh, or or where can people find you on Twitter or anywhere else online? Yeah, thanks very much for having me on, making my podcast and debut anywhere. No, I've had a it's been good fun to just chat with other people about Liga MX. I don't get to do this very often, like outside of work, and even then, they're not very scored up in it so this is like great to do thank you very much oh uh, yeah you can find me at twitter at frfootballolly and i'll be on there tweeting obviously about league and mex i'll be tweeting throughout the gold cup this year i'll be watching mexico so yeah i don't think i've got anything to plug just again thank you very much for having me on no no problem and we'll certainly try and get you uh, on at different points throughout the season maybe even more regular than you'd, you'd like to be asked maybe we'll fuck <laughs> you a little bit but um, yeah you can also get uh, probably some uh, Blackburn uh, Rovers updates uh, from yes I might be doing well. a bit more of that this season if anyone's interested in that which I can't imagine you are but <laughs> well no wonder you watch uh, Liga MX eh? exactly you know, you well I've got this to deal to with <laughs> yeah you've got something to take your mind off it uh, but um, yeah I've been your host uh, Bryce done uh, Manu will return uh, rather soon you can find all of uh, our stuff on uh, Football Grad live on Twitter or you, you can give me abuse or say something nice if you want on Twitter at BryceDunn11 but uh, that more or less does it for this week we'll be back uh, very soon uh, and thank you for tuning in Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply Ain't no next 
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.